Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! And welcome to another edition of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and coming up on today's show, you will be hearing my fantastic conversation I had with WEAR Channel 3 meteorologist and fellow podcaster, Christian Garman. So we've got a great episode planned for you this week. But first, I have to kick off the podcast with some unfortunate news. Aubrey Nichols, who lived here in Pensacola, and was part of the local rock band Timberhawk. He was the bassist and also did some vocals, I believe, as well. He passed away in his sleep Saturday night, and I believe it was due to a heart attack at the age of 28 years old. And that's kind of mind-blowing to think about, that someone that young had a heart attack in their sleep. And he, he wasn't an unhealthy guy, so it had to have been some kind of a heart issue that he didn't know about. And I didn't know him that well. I, I The only time I had met him was through the podcast. But just from seeing the interaction with him, uh, his brother, and Nathan, they got along really well, and they were all super nice guys. And from what I've heard from people that knew Aubrey, not only was he a very talented musician, but he was just a genuine person, which is kind of a rarity these days. So my thoughts and prayers go out to Aubrey's family, friends, and to the other members of the band as well. So rest in peace, Aubrey Nichols. And the only really notable news thing that I found this week is this was the last weekend of something that's been kind of a staple of Saturdays for as long as I can remember. There are now no more Saturday morning cartoons The CW aired their last week of their block of cartoons, which I believe was called the Vortex Block, and that kind of marks the end of an era because there are no more Saturday morning cartoons. And the reason for this is because the FCC mandates that network television stations have to air a certain time limit of educational television a week, and due to the success of like Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon and other cable stations that air cartoons regularly, they have all decided to pull the plug on cartoons, which I didn't even know that ABC has stopped airing cartoons on Saturdays for years, I believe since the early to mid-2000s. And that blew my mind when I read about that. But it's kind of crazy to think about because... Saturday mornings, for me, when I was a kid, was all about the waking up early, getting that bowl of cereal. It was usually Fruity Pebbles or Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and you'd park yourself in front of the TV, and you would watch cartoons until lunchtime. And if you played sports, then you would usually go outside after that and either play a baseball game or a football game, or in my case, you would just play video games for the rest of the day. But in the spirit of this, I came up with a quick top five of my favorite cartoons that I watched on Saturday mornings. And these are in no particular order. These are just the first five that I thought of. 
But number one would be the Bugs Bunny show, which was a collection of Looney Tunes shorts that I always remembered they aired at 1130 on ABC on Saturdays because that was the last cartoon that I would watch before I would start playing video games. And of course, the Roadrunner ones, you know, part of the Bugs Bunny show were always my personal favorite. Uh, number two would be Spider-Man. I've said on this show and the Nerd Cave that I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And this is actually what got me into Spider-Man. It wasn't the comics, it was the cartoon. And then another one would be Recess, which was about a group of kids that uh, got themselves into sticky situations during recess. And this was just a fun cartoon because it made you think of school and what could happen at recess. Another one is uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. And there were two Sonic cartoons that happened at the same time uh, during the mid-90s. One was called Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, and that was more of a childish slapstick comedy kind of show. And then the one I'm talking about is just called Sonic the Hedgehog, also called Sat AM, which is S-A-T-A-M, as it's known on the internet because it aired on Saturday mornings. And this one was a darker show, and it actually had really good storytelling. And that's, from even from a young age, I appreciated the thought and the story that really went into this cartoon. And it, it was just fantastic. And it, it being based off a video game character, I was immediately drawn to it. But my favorite, and I'm sure this will be number one on a lot of people's list, it's easily the Ninja Turtles. I mean, it's if you were a young boy growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, this was your show. I mean, it had four giant turtles that talked, wore different colored masks, they had cool weapons, cool ninja moves, and they ate pizza. So what more is there to like? And those those are just a few. There are obviously several more that I watched uh, during my childhood, but those were the first five that immediately came to my mind. So it's the end of an era, and I honestly feel sorry for kids today that don't they don't know how important and how special it was to watch cartoons on Saturday mornings. And finally, before we move on to our guest this week, I would once again like to thank the Unicorn Wranglers for allowing me to use their song Twin Peaks as the official theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. You can find them on Twitter at uwranglers. You can find them on Facebook, just search for the Unicorn Wranglers. Or if you want to find out more about them, they're, they're actually the first thing that pops up on Google when you type in the Unicorn Wranglers. I believe it's their website, unicornwranglers.com. So be sure to check them out. They've got good music. They're awesome people. And just do it because I said so. But let's move on to our guest this week. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, it is WEAR Channel 3 meteorologist Christian Garman. And this is someone that I've watched on TV for years. I believe he started in 97 being the meteorologist for Channel 3. And it was just cool getting to talk with someone that, like I said, I've watched for years but never really gotten the chance to talk to. And I would also like to especially thank Carrie Hunter, who I interviewed a few weeks ago, for helping me set this up. Because she asked, you know, if, if there's anyone that from the station that you would be interested in interviewing, then just let me know. So I thought, you know what, why not? So I name-dropped Christian, and I believe he 
talk with her about it. And we, Christian and I emailed each other back and forth several times setting this up. And it was just cool getting to, to know him besides, you know, just asking him about his career. He has a love of comedy movies that I think is great because everyone loves a good comedy. But also I found out months ago at work that he hosts his own podcast called Digital Downtime. And funny enough, it started around the same time that this show did. It's a cool show to listen to, and I highly recommend that you check it out. It's on iTunes, SoundCloud. They also have a Twitter and a Facebook that uh, that you can search. But And it's cool because a lot of the news I find out about the area is through that show. Because podcasts are great to listen to, whether it be you know when you're exercising or when you're doing activities around your house like laundry or cleaning. And that's honestly what I do on the weekends because Sunday's usually my day to clean up and do laundry around here. And that's when his show comes out. So it's perfect timing. And like I said, it was just cool getting to find out more about him and hopefully you guys will be entertained by it. So sit back and listen to this wonderful conversation I had with Christian Garman. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience here with my special guest this week. You may recognize him from the morning weather on WEAR Channel 3 News here in Pensacola and also hosts his own podcast called Digital Downtime, Mr. Christian Garman. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm great, Derek. Thank you for asking me to be on the show. Oh, it's no problem. I'm really looking forward to this because, you know, I've watched you on TV for years. So, you know, getting Thanks. to talk to you in person is pretty fantastic. Cool. Happy to be here. It's interesting. You know, as you said, I do a show and I'm always the one asking the questions. So uh, we'll see how it goes on the other end. <laughs> yes. I had uh, Tommy Thrall from the Blue Wahoos on for one of my first guests. And I asked him, I was like, is it weird? Because you always do interviews. Mm-hmm. So is it weird as opposed to being interviewed? And he's like, not really. So. Well, we'll see how it goes. All but, right, uh, good. Um, have you always lived here in Pensacola? Uh, I mean, I always tell people that I'm a local. I got here when I was four, and, and I've never left. My dad got the job as a city manager of Pensacola. That's what brought us to town, oh, okay. actually. And uh, and so that was in 19, I guess, 78. So I was four, and I've been here ever since. So, no, I wasn't born here, but, you know, I went to preschool elementary, middle, high, college from UWF, uh, and, and PSE, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, I'm, I'm essentially from here. Uh, where did you move from? Uh, well, my family's all from Oklahoma. I'm the only one in my family, in fact, my immediate family, that wasn't born in Oklahoma. I was born in Denver, Colorado. Oh, okay. Uh, my dad, the first job he had was out of, Colorado, out of Oklahoma, uh, got the job as city manager in a town called Westminster, which is a suburb of Denver. So we went there, and that's where I was born. And then within two or three years, he got the job in Pensacola, and that brought us here to the Gulf Coast. Oh, cool. So when you moved here, like, what were some of your interests growing up? Like, did you uh, do a lot of water activities? Because, you know, there's the beach right, and right. all that kind of stuff. Like, what, what were some things that you were into? Well, water activities actually was never something I was that interested in. Um, unlike most of my friends, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I was I was sort of an outcast that way. Most of them grew up with boats and, and water skied and, and, and all that kind of stuff. For me, uh, two things, sports, 
mm-hmm. then and now, big part of my life, uh, and 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 movies, movies and, and entertainment, just as much these days as television is movies. But uh, those were the two things as a child that greatly interested me. I, I played every sport that there was, both you know on an actual organized team and in the neighborhood with my buddies, and uh, and and the movies. I mean, back then it was. It was a, a con. I mean, every weekend I would be at the movies, usually with my one buddy Scott. He loved him as much as I, and, and it was a different world back then. You know, even at a young age, certainly not four, obviously, but you know, at nine, ten, eleven years old, maybe, maybe ten or eleven. You know, it would be, hey, my mom can take us if your mom can pick us up, kind of thing. Right. So you could actually go to the movies and felt completely safe. A couple of eleven-year-olds, and and you'd go watch and leave. So it was a totally regular thing. So for me, it was movies and sports, and and still is to this day. So are you big into like the pop culture news thing, like with movies, entertainment? Um, no, no. I mean, I, I, I am interested in pop culture, but I'm much more interested in, if by that you mean things like so-and-so got married, um, no, I don't care about that. Uh, but for instance, on the morning show on Channel 3, we have a segment called The Hollywood Buzz. Mm-hmm. And, and it's about 50-50, half the stories will be about new TV shows or new movies that are coming out. And the other half will be, you know, Justin Bieber got arrested for this or that. Those kind of stories I, I couldn't okay. care less about. That's gotcha. just not for me. But the stuff about the business, the stuff about movies that might be coming like the, out. Like the inner workings maybe? Yeah, all that stuff. Totally. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Or any movies that we can look for. All that I love. Love, love. So what uh, what were some of the movies like? Do you have a specific genre that you prefer, like comedy, well, drama? Yeah, I mean comedy. I'm, I'm I take comedy way too seriously. You know, <laughs> is is what I always say. I'm an absolute comedy nerd and always have been. Although my favorite movie uh, all time is is not a comedy. It is Jaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, in and and. To this day, uh, that is the movie. Which, by the way, I, I acknowledge isn't the best movie ever made. It's obviously a very, very good movie, but it's not the best one ever made. But for me personally, it's the one that uh, it just resonates. And and when I go to the beach, um, part of me is absolutely fascinated and hoping to see a shark, and the other part is horrified and hoping I don't. And that's always been true. I've sort of had this shark fascination. So Jaws is my all-time favorite movie, um, but comedies would be where I lean uh, for sure. I love to analyze comedy. Love it. I love to figure out why a joke worked and why Mm -hmm. it didn't work. I think about that kind of thing all the time. What are some of your favorite comedies? Well, it would depend. I mean, if we're going to go by decades, uh, I would I would start in the 80s. You know, I was born in 74. Um, so, you know, a movie like Animal House, which was in the late 70s, would be would be up there. Meatballs, which was in the late 70s, I believe. Good movie. But that was when I was too young to really care that much. Right. Once we get into the 80s, the first movie I really remember as a comedy meaning a lot to me and my family was Vacation, which yeah, I believe that's came, a great one. Yeah, it came out in 83, uh, Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo. Uh, that's a movie that I've told Travis this before, uh, Travis Brown, uh, who helps me with our podcast, that that is a movie that we, we rented as a family. Back then, you didn't buy the movie. I mean, not like today where everybody owns a ton of movies. It was you would rent it, of course, and then return it. And we rented Vacation. I mean, it's going to sound like I'm kidding or exaggerating. I'm not. We, we rented it. I mean, I would say every other day it was at our house being re-rented. And I knew literally every line of the movie and every sigh and every break and everything else about that movie. So that's one. Um, for a while there, Chevy Chase was huge. Fletch, Fletch is a mm-hmm. great comedy. Um, but then, you know, I mean, all the usual stuff in the 80s. Caddyshack. Yep, Caddyshack's a great one. An incredible comedy. Just one of the best. And then continuing on into the 90s, um, 
another great one that is considered one of the best is Groundhog Day. Yep, Groundhog yeah. Day is great. Mm-hmm. Now, a movie I've never seen going back a ways that was, I believe, the American Film Institute rated as the number one comedy of all time is Some Like It Hot, uh, which is either maybe in the 50s or, or the 60s, one of those two decades. I've never even seen that one. Yeah, I haven't you know? either. Which is odd for a guy who says he loves comedy, and that was ranked number one all time, and I've yet to see that. But yeah, that's for me uh, a good comedy is is the the kind you can keep watching, like the ones I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, because some of those they don't they don't get old. I mean, yeah, they when, don't. Yeah, and they're, it's amazing that you can. Uh, Family Guy. That's a TV show. I've seen every episode of Family Guy. Uh, I don't know a, a sad amount of times, way more than ten. <laughs> and <laughs> and still, I find myself crying sometimes. I'm laughing so hard. So that's the gr- that's what's great about the replay value of comedy as opposed to like, say if you've got a good drama, it can be a great movie, but right. you may not ever watch it again. No. But with comedies, you can go back over mm-hmm. and over and over and they're just as funny yeah. every time. And that that's to me, what is, that's one of the greatest things about comedy. Yeah, it's replay value. When you when you find one that works, absolutely, because you're right. Almost no, I mean, there are a movie like Shawshank. That's one that I'll stop everything when it's on Shawshank Redemption. So there is, it's a rare drama that, yeah. like you say, has replay value. But a good comedy, it's you know timeless. You know, mm-hmm. uh, another one that I loved that's within the last six or seven years was uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, that uh, one's fantastic. Yeah, a- amazingly good movie that uh, Jason Siegel wrote as well. And uh, ended up getting the cachet to make his Muppets movie that he always wanted to make. So mm-hmm. that's another. I mean, I should have come up with a list before I came because it's. I mean, I, I probably have a hundred on the list that I absolutely love. Have you ever seen I Love You Man with Jason Segel and Paul Rudd? Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw it in the theater. That, that's one of my favorites. Really? Yeah, I thought it was good. To me, that one, I didn't love it. I mean, I would like for me that's like a B. But right. I, I remember seeing it shortly after forgetting Cher Marshall. And being super pumped because Siegel just hit such a home right. run. But it, it was, I remember some specific things from that movie. You know, his man cave, for instance. Yeah. Uh, really funny stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Siegel's a little underrated. Agreed. Like, I, I don't hear that many people talk about yeah. it. And the, the Muppets movie he did was, was so great. good. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see the sequel, which I, I'm not even sure he had anything to do with the sequel. I, I'm not yeah. sure. He may have had a cameo in it. Maybe. I'm not sure, but he wasn't. The first it, one was great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. In fact, and what's so wonderful, I have a, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And uh, my five-year-old, you know, we've been watching that movie together. I bet I've seen that movie 30 times. And she loves it, too. And that's always been the cool thing about The Muppets, you know? Yeah. The, the adult comedy and the kid comedy. I mean, that's such a winning formula for everybody. And, and certainly Siegel did it there when he wrote that movie. Oh, Absolutely. But um, what made you decide to... Uh, you said you went to UWF yep. for college and PSC. And you uh, got a degree in telecommunications. Right. Um, what made you decide to pursue that degree? Well, uh, actually, uh, I did it backwards. For instance, uh, I got hired at Channel 3 in 95 as a production assistant. I was mm-hmm. running a studio camera uh, for the news. The At that time, we had a 5 o'clock, a 6 o'clock, and a 10 o'clock news with Sue Strawn and Bob Solarski. And, uh, and then Bob at that time was solo anchoring the 10. And I was running the camera. Well, uh, after about four months of that, I got really incredibly lucky in that Channel 3 decided they wanted to open up a sister station, WFGX, in Fort Walton Beach and produce a newscast just for that station, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is a very small market. They weren't offering much money at all, so they didn't get a ton of people who wanted the job. A few applied, um, but I had worked there for a few months. I had made some friends, um, people like Bob Solarski and Sue Strawn and others, kind of went to bat for me and said, hey, you know, this guy really seems to care. Let's give him this chance. So I got hired to do to be the weatherman for that 
that show and that sister station, which had some wonderful benefits. One, it was the weather part of that. We actually mm-hmm. shot in Pensacola Channel 3. So the anchors from Fort Walton every night would pitch to me, hey, Christian, what's happening with the weather? They were in Fort Walton. I was here. And the reason that was great is it made me the go-to fill-in guy at Channel 3 as well. So not uh, only yep. was I on the sister station, I was now filling in on Channel 3 all the time. Well, all of that to say, this was before I ever graduated from UWF. That started, I got that in 95, and then I was on the air in early 96. I didn't graduate from UWF till 2000. So, wow. so I kind of did it backwards. Um, and, and one of the main reasons was once I got the morning show, Channel 3 morning show, about a year into WFGX, the guy, Jeff Weeks, who was, had been the morning weather guy on Channel 3 for years, decided he was, he was done and ready to do something else. And there I was just sitting there and they said, okay, well, let's give this to Christian. So here a year later, this job falls into my lap. So now even though I didn't have that degree, which killed me, by the way, graduating from UWF is amongst the proudest things I've ever achieved. I'm so proud to have a college degree. And I'm not just, that's legitimate truth. But I wasn't willing to start missing work. I mean, the classes I needed were offered in the morning. Well, I was doing the morning show at Channel 3, and and, and then I had the 11 a.m. newscast. I, I couldn't get to UWF for classes. So I just put it on the back burner. And finally, around 99, a great advisor out at UWF, and I can't remember his name. I haven't thought about him in 15 years almost. He he contacted me and said, you know, why have you not graduated? You know, you're 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 a morning weather anchor, you're you're in a market 60, you're doing this every day. It's odd you don't have this degree. And I said, well, there's classes I need that I just don't have time to take anymore because I'm here doing this job. And he was great. He said, come by my office, let's figure this out. And I did. And we looked at what I needed, which was shockingly low. I only needed like three things. I thought I needed like another year and a half. I didn't. Right. And so we figured out what I needed and we figured out the classes I could take scheduling wise, it would work. And four months later I had the degree. So it just took the right guy saying, let's figure this out. So I got that degree much later than I actually got the job, which of course is backwards, but I, I just, but still, I mean, you got a degree in college yeah. and that's, that's great. Yeah. Oh, and I'm, I'm super proud of it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of people say, you know, once you got your degree, how long did it take before you got your job? And I'm just like one of those lucky ones that can say actually backwards. I did it. The you other did way. the job before you got the degree. Right. But still to me, learning stuff on the job is no disrespect to classrooms, but to me it's much better because you're actually doing it. Totally. Which is why it was, it was impossible for me to say, Hey, I've got to start missing work. I got to go take these classes. It was like, right. I'm, I'm living it. You know, yeah. the whole point for the degree was to get a job in TV, which I now had for years. So I, I just, you know, I, I, people always ask how I got my job and I frequently tell them so much luck. I mean, the fact that I got hired as a PA six months before they decided to do this uh, sister station, because they never would have given me the job at channel three, but the sister station, the much smaller market when no one else really wanted it because they weren't paying much at all. It was like, oh, well, this guy's kind of perfect for that. And then a year after that, the morning guy at Channel 3 decides he's finished with his career and he wants to do something else. Again, he could have done that. He could still be doing it today and instead decided he was done. It's just an incredible amount of dumb yep. luck. You know? Everything just kind of fell perfectly into place 100%. 100%. That's awesome. So have you always been like interested in weather or is it something that kind of came along later and you're like, oh, well, I'll try this and see if it works out? No, I've always been interested in television. Okay. Not weather. Okay. Television. Grew up completely fascinated with television, just as interested in things behind the scenes as in front of the camera. Got the job at Channel 3. And what happened, I mean, I just kind of told the story, but even before WFGX, 
the at that time chief meteorologist her name is Ashley Chisholm still in this town and, and doing mm-hmm. very well for herself she was expecting a child and so she was about to go on maternity leave so they needed someone to fill in so they said and they knew again I was working there and they knew I had some interest so they said you know would you try this well I, I literally at that time I didn't know the 50 states like they said, listen, tomorrow we're going to want you to audition. Now, I had never been in front of a camera ever, zero times in my life. And tomorrow I was now going to go in front of the big blue screen. At that time it was blue, the big blue wall with the general manager and the news director watching. And I mean, I was actually so young and sort of ignorant to all of it. I didn't realize how nervous that should have made me. You know what I mean? So what I did was I went home that night and I learned every state. I knew probably 35 of them. And I learned them all. And so the next day when I came in, I was, of course, terrible. I mean, I'd never done it. I, you know, I was terrible. We've never been on camera before. I'd never been so. on camera. Never talked about the weather. Knew nothing about the weather. You know, had a long way to go. But they said, all right, well, they could just at least see. It looks like he, he could go on TV and do this. He, you right. know, he, he could have some presentation skills. And so... The news director was leaving the next day for Germany, which is where he was from, and he was taking a three-week vacation. He said, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. When I come back, be better. So what I did was, while he was gone, I ran the camera every night because I was a PA till 10.35 when the newscast at that time ended. From 10.35 to 3 a.m., I was in front of that blue wall all night, every night. And I also went and bought two books on weather, Introduction to Meteorology, and I forget another one, um, read them. So when he came back, you know, I still had a long way to go, of course, but if nothing else, several people went to him and said, look, this guy has spent hours here since you've been gone. And he could see it. Of course, you could see some improvement. And so, like I said, people like Sue and Bob and Dan Shugart, they said, give this guy a chance. And, uh, and they decided to give me the chance. So it was a TV interest more than anything. Now, I'll say this. Once I read those books... But then much more so after I got my second degree, the one in meteorology from broadcast uh, geosciences specifically, it's called from Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. Once I understood the weather, greatly changed how I looked at the weather. And my interest now is very high. Like I frequently on air will will call myself a nerd about it because I do kind of go nerd weatherman sometimes. Like if a front's coming through and you can see dew points dropping or you can see winds changing, like Pensacola wind from the south right now, Mobile from the north, the front is right here. Like I get truly jazzed about that, which is not the kind of thing when I was 20 I would have ever thought I would care about. Um, But it it all came together and uh, that knowledge changed everything. So no, I certainly wasn't always interested in weather, uh, but once I had that opportunity and it became very important to me to, to be to know whether I, I started just like anything once you understand something right. the appreciation greatly increases but that that's awesome that you went through that much dedication to get better to me everyone should do that well it, that's that's the reason I mean like I said he didn't hire me because wow this guy's amazing on the air right it was because several people said this guy's been here you know every night till three well, that, that speaks volumes though and it, it yeah. should in every job in yeah. my mind well it was I was very appreciative of all of them that they did that it was awesome yeah uh, what have been some of the like storms uh, and hurricanes that you've covered well gosh um, I started on channel three it was it was uh, June of uh, of 97 or maybe May. Well, immediately we had Hurricane Danny, mm-hmm. which uh, anyone back then will remember. That was a very interesting storm because it it moved into Mobile Bay, 
and stopped. Literally, for about a day, it just sat over the bay. And that was incredible. I mean, to this day, that was the very beginning of my career. And to this day, I've never seen anything like it again. Usually, they keep moving. And so that became a real issue because those winds kept pounding for that long. And the rain kept coming. And it was, it was more an issue in Baldwin County, certainly, than it was in Northwest Florida. Right. But it was hitting all of us. And that was incredible. So that's really, that was my first taste. And, and I didn't know at the time how rare what was happening was. Uh, of course, the big one is Ivan. You know, I mean, I yep. was at the station. My my now wife was working at the station uh, during Hurricane Ivan. That is, um, that's the biggest. Which we recently had the ten year anniversary. Ten year anniversary of that. was yep. September sixteenth. Yeah, um, and that's the biggest thing I've 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 covered from a weather standpoint. But just nine months later, of course, came a Hurricane Dennis. Mm-hmm. Now I was not working at Channel Three for everyone talks about Ivan and Dennis. You know, the duo. Um, there's another duo, of course. Aaron and Opal. Yep, I do remember that. And that was 95. I got hired in Channel 3 at 95, but I got hired in December. Those were August and October. Mm -hmm. So I was still, you know, a quote-unquote a civilian, and I remember I was riding those storms out at home like a lot of us were. Uh, So those are, are storms that certainly impacted my life. But from Channel 3, you know, People ask me the biggest storms, and of course the answer is always going to be Ivan. Um, but every year, it seems, there's some threat Usually nothing materializes, but every year there'll be some storm in the Northern Caribbean and some of the early forecast tracks will be to move right across our area. So from a coverage standpoint, it will affect me every year because there's almost always some storm that's projected to come close to us. But in terms of actual storms that came through here that had huge impacts, Katrina's another one. You know, Katrina, of course, moved on shore. Obviously, we know between Louisiana and Mississippi right there on the line, it a lot of people forget it definitely affected our local weather oh, absolutely. as well. It played a big role here. So that's another one. Those those are the big ones if we're just talking hurricanes. But, I mean, the floods from April um, yep. will be something I'll talk about for years and years. I mean, I hope we have another, never have another event like that because that was one. It wasn't a hurricane, but that ruined a lot of lives. And, and, mm-hmm. and to this day, there are a lot of roads that are not ready to go. Funny story about that. I actually had just moved in here into this apartment when those floods happened. Really? Yeah. Glad you're on the second floor. Yeah, absolutely. Because I I remember just watching it pour and pour mm-hmm. and pour outside my window. and I'm sure you remember the lightning. That's what yeah, the light. Yeah. It was continuous. That was, to me, the most genuinely afraid I've mm-hmm. been of the weather since Ivan. Yeah. Just because... I just had no idea what was going to happen. I had just moved here. I didn't know Interesting. what was going to happen. It was just, it was crazy. And then seeing the pictures the next day of scenic being washed Gone, away. right. Of uh, Johnson Avenue just down the road from here, there was a giant hole in it that was just, yeah. it was just crazy. It was. Uh, you know, I went to, I was supposed to work the next morning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and there was a, a lot of people forget, there was a tornado warning for like Pensacola, Northeast Pensacola, which is precisely where I live. In fact, me and the wife, at that time it was heavy rain, but it was like 8.45 p.m. We went and stood, We had, like I said, we have two young daughters, stood right by their bedroom. You know, I, of course, am well aware of what you're supposed to do in the event of a tornado warning. So mm-hmm. I had taken those precautions. I was just ready, just stood there watching them. And here's something cool. I'll give Channel 3 a shout out. We have a mobile app. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I have it on my phone and we broadcast live. Well, I went into our safe zones. I watched the kids, and I was watching Alan and Lena Flores breaking down the tornado warning on my phone, so I knew exactly what the threat was. So before the flooding became an issue, you know, yeah, we went through the, the tornado warning, yeah. and then around 9:30, because that ended at nine, if I remember correctly, about 9:30, I said I got to go to bed. 
I'm due back at work, you know, at 3 a.m. I woke up around 2, and Alan Strum, who, of course, was at the station, he, he said, have you seen Facebook? And I said, no. He said, you may not be coming in. I said, what am I missing? He said, well, the rain hasn't stopped. There have been flash floods everywhere. Most people are either trapped in their homes or, worst case, stuck on the roads. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because even though I took a brief moment, I mean, I had to hustle. I took a brief moment to look at some of the photos. I still thought I can get to work. I mean, I had never yet, since I started doing this, actually been stuck to where I couldn't get in. So I got in the car and uh, started heading down Langley. And I was driving very, very slowly and cautiously. And I didn't make it two miles before I realized, okay, that's it. He's right. I'm not going to work. Jared Willits uh, could not make it into work. Christina Leavenworth could not make it into work. It was incredible. So Lena and Alan, who had worked the night before, they were stuck there. They couldn't make it home. We couldn't make it in. So it just turned into them working essentially double shifts till we were able to get in, which was closer to like 8 or 9 a.m. So yeah, that that was pretty amazing. Again, it wasn't a hurricane, uh, but in terms of enormous effects it's top three or four events since i've been yeah, doing this you know absolutely yeah it, it was it was just crazy it was awful yeah but um well i was reading your uh your bio and it said that you've also done <laughs> did it even say i'm married i don't know if i've updated that in a long time <laughs> well i got to do my research a little bit but uh it said you've done some entertainment reporting and you've actually interviewed some pretty uh some pretty big names uh who are some of those names yeah you know I, again obviously as we've said I, i've always had that interest and uh, the entertainment side. And we used to do, we, like I said, we do a Hollywood buzz segment on three in the morning. But for a while there, around maybe, I don't know, 2000 or 2004, that give or take, we were doing, I had a Hollywood buzz on three in the morning. Then I anchored one on Dayside, which is our 11 a.m. show. Then I put together a Hollywood buzz package for the five. So all of a sudden, we had a ton of showbiz content. So it became important to come up with uh, with things to talk about. So a lot of times what happens is if you work for a network affiliate, you know, they'll do different TV movies or of course they have so many shows and they'll make those stars available for interviews with the local affiliates. And they had brought back Wonderful World of Disney, which of course was something that a lot of our parents had watched a long time ago. Well, back around 2000 or so, ABC decided to go for that again and bring it back. Mm -hmm. So with that, they were producing every Sunday night a different movie. Um, and those movies had celebrities and they were making them available. So, uh, one of my heroes, one of my all time favorites is Kelsey Grammer. Uh, I love Kelsey Grammer. Guy's amazing. Yep. An incredible talent. Uh, Frasier is my all time favorite show. Um, and the Simpsons is top five all time. Any side show Bob. Any side yeah. show Bob. So, so to, to interview Kelsey Grammer, who was doing one of those ABC movies, it was a Christmas movie and I don't even remember what it was called. Um, but nonetheless, I got to talk to him for five minutes, which of course to him was no big deal because he was just sitting in a chair. I got my five minutes, the next affiliate got their five minutes and so on and so on and so on. But for me, it was quite a moment. So mm-hmm. that's pretty high on the list. David Spade, again, I'm a huge comedy fan. I love David Spade. That guy, the stuff he did on SNL was hilarious, mm-hmm. especially with the Hollywood Minute. Uh, he was, when John Ritter died unexpectedly, you know, John Ritter, of course, was headlining the ABC sitcom Eight Simple Rules for right. Dating My Teenage Daughter. Well, ABC said, wasn't ready to take the show off the air because it was a hit. And so, you know, they cautiously moved ahead and they brought in David Spade to, I, I forget if he played his, his, his brother or his cousin. I, I forget exactly how they worked it in, but they made him available. So I got to interview Spade. Um, Rip Torn 
who some mm-hmm. people may not care about Rip Torn, um, but for me, talking about my top five all-time shows, right behind Frasier number one is the Larry Sanders show number mm-hmm. two, an incredible show from HBO that took place back in the 90s. Rip Torn played the producer of the Larry Sanders show. He played Artie, a late night talk show producer. He did incredible work. I got to interview him again about one of these ABC shows. Tony Danza, who was doing a, a show on ABC at the time. Um, in person, I've done some cool ones. You, you, do you know who Rich Little is? Um, I don't believe so. Yeah, I'm not surprised because it's a generational thing. He was, in the 70s and 80s, and maybe the 60s, he was the go-to impressionist. Oh, okay. The guy was incredible. Do yourself a favor when I leave and YouTube him. Did an incredible Johnny Carson. In fact, went on The Tonight Show hundreds of times, I'm sure. The guy was amazing. Um, when, when HBO made a movie called The Late Shift, which was based on a book called The Late Shift, which was all about Carson leaving late night and Leno and Letterman both wanting that job, there was a book written about it. Well, HBO adapted that book to a movie called The Late Shift. Rich Little is the guy they got to actually play Johnny Carson because he did such an incredible Johnny Carson, but he did lots of people. Anyway, he was coming through town uh, promoting something, and he came to the station, and it was just the two of us. This was something we recorded. This wasn't live. And we sat on the side set, and I interviewed him for 45 minutes. I think we only, you know, in TV, you can't use 45 minutes. We probably only used three minutes of it. But for me, it was incredible. This guy was telling like old showbiz stories. He was perfectly willing to do any of the impersonations I asked for. That's awesome. That was amazing. Yeah, that was really, really great. You know, and again, a lot of people I think maybe under the age of say 35 will not even know who Ridge Little is. Katie Mixon, uh, she's from Pensacola. She literally grew up across the street from me. Um, super sweet family. I just interviewed her, interviewed her a couple of weeks ago for my podcast. Mm-hmm. Now she she wasn't in town. She is she's on Mike and Molly, very popular mm-hmm. CBS show, all five seasons. If you go look her up uh, on the IMDb, huge role after huge role, Eastbound and Down on HBO. She was the female lead in that. Lots of movies. She's one of the voices in the upcoming uh, Minions, Despicable mm-hmm. Me spinoff. She's one of the main voices in that. And super, super sweet. I can't say enough about Katie Mixon. So she did 25 minutes with us just on the phone the other night. It was yeah. so cool of her to do that, you know. Um, so that was really neat. I, I got to do something for PJC at the time, PJC, of course, now PSC. Back, I don't know, 2000, 2001-ish, they brought in Barbara Bush. This is, this is a pretty funny story. Um, they, they were, it was a literacy program, I believe, and so she was coming to do an evening, and you could purchase these tickets for an evening with Barbara Bush. And it was in the theater there, the gym, and uh, you know, it was beautifully set up, and they had chairs, and I don't know, I think I remember eight or 900 people were there. And they asked me to MC it uh, about a month before she came to town. And that was actually horrifying. I mean, I said yes. I, I distinctly remember when, when the woman asked me to do it, thinking, this is horrifying, but if you say no, you'll regret it forever. So I said yes a couple of weeks out. Uh, two days out, I had to go meet with the Secret Service and, 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 and tell them the plan and everything else. Well, when she came, it was this evening, and the way it was supposed to go was she and I on stage, each with our own microphone, and uh, me kind of asking questions to her that had been submitted by the audience or questions that I came up with sort of as, as the evening rolled on. And, and the people in charge of this event said, Christian, you know, we know you're funny. We know you think that being funny is really important, but that's not what this is. We need you to be very professional, very serious. This is a former first lady, which of course I respected and said, right. of course. Well, two minutes into the interview, 
she was instantly cracking jokes. I mean, instantly. She was like one of the funniest of ladies I've ever seen live. And I mean, after about three minutes of this, I was thinking, okay, if I keep playing this straight, people are gonna think I was nervous or I just blew it. It's like, you gotta go with it. So I was like, okay, I just have to throw out what I was told and I have to roll with this. And of course it went great and it was fun. And afterwards, the, the couple of people who gave me that said, hey, we didn't know she'd be so funny. Thank you for rolling with it. You know, that kind of thing. So it all worked out. But that was quite a moment when, when realized very quickly on, okay, she's not going to be serious here. This is going to be a very fun night, which was great for the event. Everyone oh, laughed all night. It was, it, was, it was super fun. Another really, really cool thing I got to do, and this is kind of weird just sitting here saying, these are neat things I've done. You know, Maybe this is how people feel when I interview them, but uh, it's odd. But um, just uh, last year, Robin Williams came to town, uh, an evening with Robin Williams, and uh, David Steinberg, who is also a Hall of Fame comic. He's been on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson more than any other guest in the history of the show. Uh, the guy was doing some stuff on the Smothers Brothers that was really cutting edge back when they had a show. Anyway, he was coming with Robin Williams. He was the guy that would interview Robin Williams on the stage for an hour and a half. But they asked if I would intro the evening, mm-hmm. which uh, they asked me a month out. And I was so scared because, again, these... It, more so even than Barbara Bush because these are comedy legends, which for me is as top of the list, you know. And and I said yes. And um, the best part about that, my time on stage was a minute and a half, you know, nothing. But the best part about that was an hour before the show, they brought me backstage to kind of tell me the plan. And David Steinberg, who has a show currently on Showtime where he interviews comedians, and he's just an all-time comic and one of the best. He, 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 he told me quickly in two minutes or less how the show would work. I said, okay, great. He said, do you have any questions? I said, well, no, I get that, but I have all kinds of questions about comedy. And he was like, shoot, no problem. And we sat in his dressing room for 30 minutes and he was telling stories to me and anything else I wanted to talk about. Robin Williams then came in and he sat there for 15 minutes and the three of us talked and, and David Steinberg's wife was there. And that's one of the coolest things I've ever done. That's great. Cause it, that's yeah, it, really, it, really cool. It was, it wasn't a hundred of us. It was these two legends and me. It's just like a normal conversation. It, it, it was. And, and they were, I think they did not have to do that at all. They could have been like once, once after the two minutes of explaining my role in this, they could have said, okay, thank you, Christian. We'll see you out front. And I wouldn't have thought anything of it. I wouldn't have expected them to, to let me chill and talk. And, and that was just, an, that was amazing. And I'll, I'll never forget that night. And then obviously, you know, a month or two ago, Robin Williams commits suicide and that night took on more meaning because mm-hmm. you, you never know something like that's coming. And, it was just it, it 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 was such a special night, and I'll just never forget it. Yeah, I, that's instantly what I thought of was him uh, passing away because I, I haven't seen an outpouring of emotion from you know other comics, mm-hmm. celebrities, and fans like they did for him. But just because he he was so funny, he was so funny and so present. Yes, when you start thinking about Robin Williams' career, you start thinking, "Wow, I don't know that I've gone a year." in the last 30 without this guy putting something out yep. that I took note of. You know what I mean? He was, it didn't, I don't think it occurred to any of us that our time with him was limited, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yes, it, it hit hard because he, he was more than you really expect of just a celebrity. You don't know. He was such a part of our lives. I mean, right. he was everywhere. He was in so many iconic things. Yeah. Like Good morning, Vietnam, yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire. He was the voice of the genie of and Aladdin, one of the most yeah. popular Disney movies of all time. And so. he was incredible in that role. Oh, great. Yeah. I, I love watching the behind the scenes feature on that. It's of him 
in the mm-hmm. production room doing the voice, and he's just being so animated, and it just made it that much funnier. Yeah, it we was great. T- we talked about it on 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 my podcast as well. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe top five all time of a case where the actor and the role were meant for each other. Yeah, you know, because that was sort of unlimited. It's animated, so there really are no rules, and that character they just let be so vibrant and so creative and he was the perfect guy. Yeah. I don't know who else could have done it. You there, know? there isn't any. At least not like that. Yeah. You know, just uh, you know, Jim Carrey is the only other guy that you would even think of but even even he it would have been different yeah. than, than what Robin Williams did. Absolutely. Yeah, amazing. So um, mentioning your podcast, uh, what gave you the idea to do a podcast? Well, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, glad you asked. It's called Digital Downtime. Uh, <laughs> Well, you got you got to plug it. Well, you look, you, you know, you're 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 doing podcasts like me. You, you, you'll fight for every oh, listen you can ab- get. Oh so. yeah, absolutely. There's um, no shame in plugging no, anything. No, there's not. I've definitely found that out with this venture. Uh, what happened was, I, I, I this is boy, I tell you, I say this a lot. This is another case where I kind of got lucky. Um, the guy in charge, uh, you know, Daniel Hemme, mm-hmm. in, in charge of creative services at Channel Three. Well, he he used to have back before he was in Pensacola, he had a show. Uh, where he was a movie critic. It was a TV show. He's big time into movies. And I did a, not know yeah, that. Yeah, very creative guy. And he had said to me maybe three or four years ago, you know, would you be interested in doing something like that here? And we kind of briefly talked about it. And you know how it goes sometimes with ideas. You talk about it and you think about it seriously. And then it just sort of fades away kind of off. And that's what happened. Well, in the meantime, so, so that was three or four years ago. Then I started running about five years ago. And, I, and I'm an avid runner. I run like crazy. Well, what I listen to when I run is podcasts, mostly sports podcasts, usually the stuff from ESPN, but I, I do mm-hmm. listen to The Nerdist and I listen to Mark Maron's uh, podcast as well. And those are more where they have on comedians or actors and in interview. So as I listen to these all the time, it was about a year and a half ago that I started thinking I'd like to do this because I've always thought radio would be something I would love to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't have a radio job, but a podcast is sort of the next thing. I mean, it's I always tell people when I ask them to come on, it's kind of like a radio show for the internet is essentially mm-hmm. all it is. Um, so I started thinking, but there are so many really, really, really good podcasts out there. What can I do that's in any way different? And the only thing I could come up with was a local one mm-hmm. that because I work at Channel 3, I would be able to have guests on that might be tougher to get otherwise. So I thought, huh, I wonder about that. Well, even then I sort of sat on that idea and I never really pursued it, but it was sort of in the back of my head that I thought that'd be great. Well, then last December, um, just literally in a chance meeting in the hallway, Daniel Hemme, for whatever reason, he said, hey, you know, we never worked on that that movie idea. We should really get together and see if we can come up with something. And um, I said, okay, let's have a meeting. So two days later, we have a meeting. And early on, I said, Daniel, I got to tell you, you know, I, I have a, a five-year-old, or at that time, a four-year-old, and, 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 and a baby, essentially. I don't know that I have the kind of time that would be required to do this movie show because it would require going to theaters, interviewing people. As they, I mean, a lot goes into it. I said, but I do have another idea. And he said, tell me about it. And, and I, I said, well, um, you know, I frequently love to talk about movies. I love to talk about sports. I always have felt like I would enjoy interviewing people, though I hadn't had much of an opportunity of that at Channel 3, and certainly not in the last 10 years. I said, I'd like to do a podcast. And I kind of explained exactly what that would mean and entail, and and he said, okay, um, tell me more, which was super cool. Because for all I knew, he could have said, I don't know if there's anything in that. 
Uh, he didn't. He was really supportive. And Travis Brown, who anyone who listens to my show knows, Travis is the co-host. Travis works in creative services uh, for Daniel. Daniel's in charge of the department. And Travis and I have been very, very good friends for at this point since he started working at Channel 3 around 2001. And we've always loved talking movies and sports. And we I don't know how much we make anyone else laugh, but we make each other laugh hard. Mm -hmm. And I told Daniel, literally in that very first meeting, and we recorded most of that meeting. I think we still have this on file somewhere. I said, listen, the only way I can make this work is if Travis gets to be part of it. I said, and I don't just mean putting it together. I said, I mean, I want Travis to do the on-air stuff with me. Which... Travis hadn't done anything like that in terms of at Channel 3, certainly. You know, I mean, nobody within the confines of Channel 3 was thinking of Travis as an on-air person. But I just I just knew that I would need someone with me because I'd never carried a radio show. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to have someone with me, he was the guy I wanted. And again, Hemi wasn't like, well, Christian, Travis doesn't really do on-air stuff. He was like, I get it. And so what he said was, this was about December 15th. He said, how about let's set this goal that by January 30th, I want to have a test one. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. About three days later, I asked Travis. I said, you got five minutes? He came in the weather center, and I kind of broke down the idea for him. He was super cool. He said, yeah, this sounds great. I'd love to be part of it. And over the course of the next five weeks, we would do what you've done here. We would bring in a couple of mics into a room, and we would try to come up with some ideas for content, whether we were talking about – that was the movie award season, so we were talking about the Oscars or right. the Golden Globes. And we just did these sort of practice shows. And I brought, we did three or four, and I brought one of them to Hemi, and I said, here it is, take a listen. And he listened, and he said, yep, this works. And then he took it to the general manager, uh, who said, okay. And, and, he, and frankly, that guy, the GM, he didn't, I don't think he was too aware of what a podcast was, but he trusted Hemi, and he had this actual you know, piece of evidence, the actual right. show, to listen to it for five minutes and say, yeah, okay, I can see this. And so that's kind of how it came to be. So for the course of the next few months, Travis and I continued to do practice shows, practice shows, because we had to figure out how were we going to distribute it, how do you get it on iTunes, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. And finally, in April, it was ready to go, and we launched the first episode, and just like you, we've been doing one uh, every single week since. So the idea actually came to me when I was running one day, and, and I was listening to you know, probably Mike and Mike or, or something from ESPN. And it started hitting me and I started getting, you know, when you get an ex- idea you're excited about, you start feeling yourself mm-hmm. getting excited and the juices start flowing. Maybe exactly what you went through when yep. you decided to do this. Um, and, and it just, it took off and uh, I'm real proud of the show. And, and just like you said, we were talking about how many people listen to our shows. It's so random. Some weeks you feel really good, like, okay, finally, they're listening now. I've got the listeners. And then the next week you're back down to almost nobody. And then the week after that, it's huge again. And uh, it's tough to get a feel for it. So at this point, Travis and I are trying to do shows that we'd be really interested in, and we just hope people listen. Now, I've got a big advantage because of the access at Channel 3. I post the link on Channel 3's Facebook page several times a week. Well, we have 160,000 likes. So people are going to see it. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things I said to Daniel. I said, because of this working here, this isn't like some people who exactly what you've done, who are just launching it on their own and hoping we do have sort of a powerhouse access here. Right. And, and it's, it's helped a lot. So it's, it's been really fun. But I'll tell you, we named it Digital Downtime because, well, the digital part is obvious. The downtime idea was, and, and Travis came up with the idea, by the way, for the name, the uh, downtime part was going to be, you know, his job at Channel 3 is in creative services. He helps put together commercials and do all that. My job, of course, is to be the meteorologist for the first half of the day. Right. This was going to be something we did in our downtime. 
That was the idea. Makes sense, yeah. Right. Well, as I'm sure you know, it quickly became the uptime. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a constant thing sort of hanging. You know, who are we going to book this week? What can we talk about this week? It, it's... Now, I'm not complaining. I love it. It's been so much oh, fun absolutely. to do. And it keeps those sort of juices flowing in a way that they hadn't been moving in a long time. But by no means is it downtime. It is, it's a major effort to put this together every week. And it's always flattering. I hope you get this too. People will say, gosh, it looks so fun and you guys must just throw it together. And it's like, no, it's a lot of work to put it together. But the fact that it's coming off that way is, is of course, a, a major compliment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the, the hardest part, especially when you have a guest on is one finding a mutual time that works and then also you know doing research and coming up with interesting questions to ask because to me the best types of interviews are the ones that aren't really it's just two people talking or if you have two or three guests it's just like a conversation between a group of people totally agree and and that's definitely in fact uh, I have a buddy um, who frequently will ask me you know how many questions had you written out for that? And frankly, what what, what I do is uh, before any interview, I will come up with five or six questions because you never know if it's not going to go well or if they're going to be really nervous. You want to be totally prepared. But inevitably, what happens is I never even get to those, or at least if I do get to those, I never actually looked at the list because what happens, of course, is just the organ organic conversation. Right, exactly. And, and you end up going here when you thought you'd go there, and you know you never get back to that question you were going to ask for twenty minutes, that kind of thing. Now, you you mentioned it's tough to to find times, you know, to meet people. Have you have you done any phone interviews? Is that something you can do? Um, I do Skype interviews. I've never done. Well, I've done one that's been over the phone, but. If it's not someone that's from around here or can't do it in person, then you know Skype's usually a good, uh, totally. good option. Yeah, that's been huge for us. We do, I bet, 50-50 uh, in-person versus phones. And it's so great because when you're asking someone, you know, will you come on and talk about this for six minutes? It's real easy when you can say, you don't have to come to the station. You can call me from wherever you want. It's, it's going to be just a phone conversation for five or six minutes. I don't think anybody yet has said no because it couldn't be easier. So that yeah. is, and, and that was all part of that pitch I made to Daniel. I said, this thing is going to be really easy to do mm -hmm. and really cheap to do because I don't need people to come here. I'm not going to need to go other places. It'll be mostly me interviewing people over the phone. And, and that's been a wonderful formula for us. Yeah. A lot of people say, well, it must be really hard to do, but it's, when you think about it, it's really not. I mean, sometimes it can be a lot of work, but the actual process of doing it is actually pretty easy. I mean, like I said, to me, the hardest part is, you know, finding that mutual time with with the guest to to talk with them. So, hundred percent, definitely true that the hardest part of these podcasts is putting the show together. For instance, when Travis and I go in the audio booth and record the show easily the most fun part of the show, mm -hmm. you know, of the whole process. It's it's that, what are we going to do this week? What are some other topics? That stuff takes real work and real research, but you're, you're 100% right. Once you're doing the show, like this part for you and me, this is the easy part, yeah. you know? You and I emailed several times over the course of the last three weeks putting this part together. Right. That's the work, or you had to go research, find out, you know, who's Christian, what can I ask him? That's the work. But once mm -hmm. we're going, we're just going. Yeah, it's just just talking. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And I find, and, and, and probably you too, man, I find so much, if you just listen to the other person, you don't really have to come up with any questions because just like I always tell people, you know, just like in real life, whenever you're having a conversation with another person, 
You don't sit and wonder, what am I going to say next? What am I going to say next? What can I do? You're just listening to them and then it just sort of happens. Yeah. It's, it's called a conversation. So, you know, if you can just take that approach and that's what I do. That's why I was saying I write these questions out sometimes. I almost never get to them because if you're just listening to the person you're talking to, they sort of write the script for you in terms of where you want to go yeah. next. Yeah. The best part is when you ask them a question and they'll say a couple of things that you might think are interesting. So what I'll do is I'll just make little notes mm-hmm. and then try and elaborate on it later. Bring that I, in. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, what have been some of the highlights from uh, from your show? Because like you said, you do a lot of local news, mm-hmm. which I think is great because a lot of the stuff I find out is from your show. Oh, well, like, thanks. Especially like when you and Travis were talking about the seafood festival mm-hmm. and even like, I love the, the Ryder Cup. Discussion. Oh, cool. That, that oh, thanks. Oh, cool. Great. Thank you. Are you a golf fan? Yes. Oh, cool. Yes, Good. Well, thank you. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Um, well, m- my favorite parts of the show or when what you're talking about, when Travis and I are just kind of talking about an upcoming movie, or or talking about you know the Ryder Cup, or just just doing as as I always described it, just doing what we've always done, but now it happens to be being recorded. Those are my favorite parts because that was sort of the initial idea was find a way for the two of us just to have fun doing this. But you know certainly some of the guests I can tell you, you know Dan Shugart. Mm-hmm. sports director at Channel 3, has been incredible. The very first show we ever did, he was the very first guest. He came on, we talked. At that time, Bubba Watson had just won the Masters, his second. And also the Wahoos were just starting the season. So we asked Dan to come on. And, you know, it would have been totally legit of him to say, I don't know about this. You know, let's see how it goes first. But instead he said, sure. That was super cool. Um, Sue Strawn is going, she's about to come on our show. We're going to talk about the charity she puts together every year, Communities Caring at Christmas. Now, granted, these are people at Channel 3 that, of course, I've got this access to, which is amazing and wonderful. But, and I always tell them when I pitch it, if they say no, no hard feelings. Like, yeah. I totally get it, you know, if they're yeah. not sure, that kind of thing. But they've been super nice. Katie Mixon coming on was so neat. I mean, she is a big-time actress. She's on a show right now, Mike and Molly, which is entering season five on CBS, a big popular show. And she called in and did 25 minutes with us. That was super cool. A guy named Jeremy Devine, he's from movietickets.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the old days on three in the morning, way back when, he used to come on our morning show when he was in, he used to be one of the guys at Rave Motion Pictures, one of the corporate guys. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So when he would come to town, he would come on three in the morning and we would talk about upcoming movies. Well, he and I never lost touch, even though, you know, he hasn't been on channel three in years. Mm-hmm. So when I pitched this, I, I emailed him. I said, Hey, I'm starting this. Would you be interested? He said, yes. He comes on every month at the beginning of the month. And we talk about the movies that are coming out that month. We just, in fact, just two days ago, I had my conversation with him about October and it's so fun. I love doing that because I love talking movies and he's a super knowledgeable guy. Those are always fun. Um, Travis and I try to come up with silly segments like, have you heard one of our Mount Rushmore segments? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We, we love those. Coming up, uh, we're going to do a Mount Rushmore of uh, horror movies. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. We're going to do, I think we're going to maybe do a Mount Rushmore of Halloween candy. You know, oh, That's a good one, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So we try to come up with, with fun things. Um, that's always a fun segment. So, you know, I don't know. They're, they're, the whole thing is something I'm so proud of because... Even though a lot of weeks hardly anybody listens, some weeks a lot of people listen, but some weeks hardly anybody does, it, re- it really is this thing that I sort of came up with that, that wasn't happening, and uh, I'm, I'm just so proud of it because now, like I said, Sue's coming on. That's kind of a big deal that Sue's mm-hmm. strong. I mean, it, it legitimizes it when she says yes, and when Dan Shugart kept coming on. Alan Strum, that was 
to this day, the interview I did with Alan, um, we did 45 minutes at his apartment. Um, me and Travis both went and we talked to Alan for all that time. And it wasn't so much about weather, a little weather, but mostly just who Alan is. To this day, that's the most listened to we've done. Like 2,500 people listened to that. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I know. And it was because they've been watching Alan for, since 2001. But you know how the night meteorologist, you know, you get three minutes at five, I'll see you at six. Three minutes at six, I'll see you at nine. You know, there's really, I think most people don't really know Alan, you know, except for the people he's friends with. So this was the first chance they got to hear him. To know the person yeah. and not the meteorologist. Yeah. So that was that was really cool. And, and, and he's proud of the fact that to this day, that's number one, you know, still. So um, I'm always trying to top that episode, but uh, we, we've yet to be able to. So those are some of the highlights. And looking ahead, I mean, it's just, you never know. It's hard to say. I'd love to get Abigail Spencer. You know, she's from yes, Gulf Breeze, yes, yeah. hugely successful, very, very, very talented actress. I mean, she's from here. She's on Rectify, which mm-hmm. you can see season one right now on Netflix. She's had major successes. She was on one of the seasons of Mad Men. Uh, she's in the movie right now. This is where I leave you with Jason yep. Bateman and Tina Fey. She's in that. Um, and, and she's come on Channel 3 before. I've, I've interviewed her on Channel 3 before when she was in town. So I'd love to have her come on at some point coming up soon. Uh, but you never know. I, I'm trying to do more interviews based on things that happen that week. For instance, you may remember a few weeks back. Do you remember that viral video of the shark in Navarre that was getting fairly close to a couple of people that were in the water mm-hmm. in Navarre? Well, I, I called at that time... Um, the shark expert from the Gulf area, right. Marcus yep. Island, mm-hmm. and he came on and we talked about, you know, what was the, what should they have done? Should they have raced out of the water? Should they have just waited for the shark to leave? So I'm trying to come up with things more that are kind of directly related to things that happen, not really hardcore news because that's not what I do. That's right. not who I am. But there are other ways to sort of tie in things that are happening, and and that's something I, I look forward to doing. I, I, it's got to be tough for you. I mean, do you feel the pressure of have you committed? Basically, have you committed to I'm doing this every week? Yes. You must, I mean, I feel the pressure of that. Do you, I mean, is that difficult? Are there weeks where you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do this week? Um, usually what I do is uh, if I know there are going to be weeks that I can't have a guest on, I'll interview multiple guests mm-hmm. in a week and I'll kind of stagger Smart. the yeah. interviews. So, Good. cause I, I, um, I, I work with the blue Wahoos. I work in the production department and, uh, we had a 10 game homestand one month. And so I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do any interviews gotcha. for a couple of Too weeks. Too busy. So, yeah. I did four interviews within the span of like two or three days. Wow. And aired those throughout the entire month of August. Well, that was great though, because I know that once you had those in the can, you're like, okay, I can breathe a sigh yeah, of relief I can, now. I can focus yeah. fully on my job and yeah. not worrying about, oh, well, I'm going to have to take this week off and everything. So um, it, it, it can get hectic sometimes. Agreed. Like for me, the biggest struggles will be if I look ahead and I say, oh, I'm off for a week in December, I need to, what you're saying, I need to double book early because I'm off for a week, that kind of thing. And it does get stressful. Let me tell you though, the worst moment I've had on the show, let's see if you've done this. You probably haven't because you're not an idiot like me. Um, one of the times, at this point, I think Dan shugart has been on like four times. And one of the times he came on, I think it was for our college, yeah, it was, it was for our college football preview, which we did in August. And mm-hmm. he came in early. Uh, he usually gets in, well, he, he's a crazy hard worker. Sometimes he's in at 9 a.m. and works till 2 a.m. But his usual arrival time of all's going well is 2 or so p.m. But he came in at 11.30 and we went in the audio booth. He came in early just to do the interview and we did 10 or 15 minutes. It was great. We talked about everybody, uh, Alabama and Auburn and Florida, Florida State and Jameis Winston. And he's from UCLA. We talked about how UCLA, a lot of people were talking about whether they were going to be any good. 
And it was really good, as it always is when he's on, because he's so good. And then he left, and then I realized I never hit record. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I've that's happened to me before. It has. Yes. That makes me feel better. I, I've had one where I interviewed a, a comic book artist, and this was over Skype because he lives in Biloxi. Mm. And uh interview went great. It was a little over an hour. And I went back to listen to the audio, and some kind of error happened mm. where it just recorded his audio, but not, not mine. Yours. Jeez. So it was like he was talking to dead air. So what'd you do? I re-recorded myself asking the questions. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, it, that was... it, it, it turned out, you know, it wasn't as organic as it was, because it was mm. one of my favorite interviews oh, I've ever done. Oh, what a bummer. Done. Yeah, but... Well, yeah. with Dan, I just... I mean, we knew within three minutes. I brought it to Travis, and I said, hey, you know... I don't hear this. And he looked, he said, yeah, it's not here. So I just went right back to Dan and I said, Dan, I, I didn't hit record. And uh, what, to, the sh- to the surprise of no one, Dan said, hey, no problem, let's do it again. And we were right back in there and we did 10 or 15 minutes and we essentially did the same thing. I mean, the, co- mm-hmm. the topics were the same. Of course, it was different because you know it was the second time and it just comes out different. But I, t- I kept apologizing. He said, Christian, you know, I've, I've done that. We've all forgotten to hit record. Don't yeah. even worry about it. So that's like the low point because that was really embarrassing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you hate to do that to somebody like Dan who's already, he came in two hours early, really kind of this prestigious guy. And, and that was embarrassing. Yeah, I, I've talked with Dan a few times when he's you know been at the stadium, and he's right. he's an awesome guy. Yeah, he he's is. Great. That's funny. People will always say to me, um, you know, tell me about Bob Solarski. Tell me about Jared Willits. You know, tell me about t- t- Dan or Alan. And I always say, oh, they're great. They're great. And they always say, oh, come on, man, just tell me the truth. And it's like I'm not lying. You know, yeah. people just sort of naturally assume that there's some sort of sinister truth and they almost don't want to accept that these are a bunch of good people. But I would say, Jared was in my wedding, okay? So there's your endorsement. I'm not, if I really yeah. didn't like him, I wouldn't have asked him to be a groomsman in my wedding. Um, Solarski, that's a guy who literally, and Shugart, went to that news director way back when and said, give this guy a chance. I, I, you know, uh, the, these, they are really, really good people. Um, I just, I, you know, a lot of people in, in this business come and go and they work at Channel 3 for two or three years. That's mostly reporters. But, you know, you look at the anchors. Sue's been there for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Dan's been there for a long time. Bob's been there for a long time. Jared's been there. I've been there. Um, there's a reason for that. It's a great place. And we all really like it and are proud of it. And it's, I, I don't have enough nice things to say about all these folks that people always want to know about, which I totally get. You know, I would want to know too. But uh, the truth is, I, you know, I put high faith in all of them. They're good people. Last thing I wanted to ask you uh, before we end this, uh, I mentioned that I worked, I work at the Wahoos. And yeah. You and Bob Solarski participated <laughs> in our Anchorman night. I remember. You guys made that one of the funnest <laughs> nights we had all season. That was a cool event. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Jim Carmack was mm-hmm. there. Christina Leavenworth came that night. And what's cool is, A, well, this kind of backs up what I was saying. Uh, by the way, when I mentioned people who've been there a long time, Jim Carmack, another great guy who's been there a long time, we were all totally game. I mean, it was like, this will be fun. Instead of, oh, no, I don't know if I should do this. This goes against the newsman or the weather. It was like, no, yeah. no, this sounds like a lot of fun. And Christina got full on into it. She's a super competitive girl, kind of like me. So, um, although I'm a super competitive guy, uh, you know, so we all totally embraced it. And you guys had come up with like all some really fun ideas. So, yeah, that was a good time. Man, the, the Wahoos, that's an incredible thing that, mm-hmm. that's happening. I mean, 
everything that's happening in downtown is is wonderful. It, we talk about that on my show all the time. Yeah. And the Wahoos obviously are a huge part of that. I, I don't know how many games I went to this year. Maybe five. You know, not you know, it's tough for me. I get up at two thirty AM, so of course it's it's harder. Right. But every time I go and I am looking around and there's three or four thousand people there and I think to myself, just a couple of years ago, this wasn't an option. This three or four thousand people were doing something else. And now this really cool thing at this really beautiful place exists as an option. And it brings all these people to downtown. And a lot of times before the game or after the game, they're going to a restaurant, just all these good things. So, you know, I, the, so proud that that's my home team. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like you mentioned that night we did the Anchorman thing. And yeah, that was a great night. But I, the Wahoos could just about ask me to do anything. And I'm going to say yes, because it's, it's so cool. In fact, I, you know, you may not know this, but back right before the first season started, we did, uh, one of these things at Cordova Mall where it was a search for right, yeah. f- for the talent, mm-hmm. you know, for the people that were going to sing the national anthem and, and talent for who will entertain people in between innings. And I was one of the judges. It was one of those Pensacola's Got Talent type things. And I sat there for like, it was like a six-hour day. It was a long day. We had like 95, literally like 95 people auditioned in one way or another. And at the time, that was before the Wahoos had started. I knew it was going to be cool, but I didn't know full on. And then later I was like, boy, I'm so glad I was a part of that because this is such a neat thing. So... You know, back when they were the Pelicans and played out at UWF, um, I got to throw out a first pitch. That was like super cool. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. That's such a neat thing. It's nerve wracking. We've all seen the video on YouTube of so many people who botch it and throw it like a foot and a half kind of thing. So now I've never done that downtown, but even when it was the Pelicans at UWF, mm-hmm. it was super, I'm just, it's, it's just, you know, if you're from here as I am, those kind of things make you really, I, I, at UWF one time, uh, class of, what is this, 2014? It may have been the class of 2011 or so. They asked me to do the commencement. That, that was an amazing honor. Yeah, that's great. It was an amazing honor. And, and I didn't take it lightly. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not lost on me that those are the kind of things throwing out a first pitch or doing that or introducing an evening with Robin Williams. Those opportunities don't come if I'm not doing what I'm doing for a living. So I, you know, I don't take any of it for granted. I am fully aware and appreciative of all that because it's such an honor. I mean, like I said, getting that college degree was a big deal to me. And then that was in 2000, 11 years later to be doing the commencement. I almost felt like this is crazy. Why they, I don't, they shouldn't ask me to do that. I'm not worthy of this. Of course I did it. And I was super proud to, but those kind of things are amazing, and just yeah. I, I frequently can't believe some of the fun stuff that that are part of my life because of this job. Yeah, absolutely. I, I specifically remember, like back to the whole Anchorman thing, when you and Bob Solarski did the jazz flute cam. <laughs> you guys had us dying, dude. I got robbed. I got robbed. You, you did. I you mean, did. I, I to this day, <laughs> it was like, is this thing rigged? Uh, what, what are they talking about? Now, granted, Bob got into it. I will give him full credit. He didn't phone it in. But, I mean, I don't know that I could have done anything else, man. Yeah, he, he won that thing, jazz flute. <laughs> that, that was fun. I'm, it's funny you remember that. But I remember walking off bitter. I was sure that I won that, that night. That whole night was honestly one of the 
the more fun nights. Is that, that right? That, that we did. Yeah, it was great. Oh, cool. That's we, good. We, we had so many theme nights, but I, I would definitely put that in my my top three. Well, that's awesome. Sure. Thanks. Well, you know, look, uh, not just to keep saying it, but you guys do a great job because I've never been to a game yet where there wasn't a lot to do aside from baseball. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like the baseball is almost like, oh, that's right. There's a game going on, but it's always so fun. It yeah, really there's, is. There's always something to do every single night. Always. Which is great. Yeah, it's so fun. But uh, do you have any social media you'd like to plug for your podcast? Yeah, well, sure. Thank you. Um, you know, it's available on iTunes, you know, which is simple if you go to iTunes or, or on your phone. Uh, if you've got an iPhone, just download the podcast app, which is free. And then just search Digital Downtime. That's what's going to pop up. It would be awesome if you subscribe to that. Or if you have uh, not not an iPhone, it's on SoundCloud. Same thing. There's an app. Just mm-hmm. search Digital Downtime. The easiest way, though, and I think the way probably most people find it, is via Facebook. We have our own page, Digital downtime uh, on the channel three page I, I once or twice a day I'll post the link with some kind of a tease saying hey you can hear this this week uh, so there really are lots of ways to find it and of course Twitter at digital downtime so we've got it all over the place and um, I would love people to hear it and and I wish that there was more interaction I frequently have asked people you know I'll go to Twitter or, or Facebook and say you know this week we're talking about this Let's say we're talking about the fact that the beach season is here. What's your favorite thing to do at the beach? And I and I don't get a ton of, of reaction that way. Yeah. I wish there was more of that. I'd love to make that a bigger part of the show. So that's something I look for because it's great. You know, the shows I listen to do have a ton of interaction with with the listeners. So that's something I hope and hope hope we can do more for sure. But yeah, there there are lots of ways to find it. It's called digital downtime. If you search that on basically any medium, you're gonna find it. Cool. Well, Christian, thank you very much for coming on the show. This was awesome. This was I hope really, so. Really fun. Yeah, it was great. I, I can't imagine anybody's going to care, but I, I appreciate it. Oh, no, no. It's, it's great. <laughs> well, I hope so. Great. Thanks. Thanks for asking me. And that'll do it for this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. Once again, I would like to thank Christian Garman for coming on for that really fun conversation. And next week, we will be looking into the world of film with producer Steve Wise. And trust me, you'll want to tune in for that one. And don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter at DDiamondExp, like us on Facebook at The Derek Diamond Experience, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at Derek underscore Diamond. And that'll do it. See you guys next week. (laughs) 